0: Welcome to Tech To You Tuesday. Happy holidays, everybody, as we're kind of getting started here. And uh, what do we got? How many days till Christmas? 13? 12, 12 something like that? 13, something. Yeah. So we got another show coming up uh, next week, and then i uh, going to have a break on uh, December 26th, so I can have some holiday time. Uh, with me again today is Ryan, Yo, welcome yo. back. Um, got a few uh, topics, of course, like always, we're gonna cover today. Uh, as always, I welcome your emails, you guys are more than welcome to email in. Questions, things that you have, we're gonna go over some relevant holiday scams going on today. Um, I actually wanna get started today with uh, an email that I got, which is kinda interesting. Um, just before the show started, we had somebody email in and said, I have a nine-year-old, a neurodiverse son who loves playing Minecraft on his iPad. Um, and if you're a parent of a child from, I don't know, seven to 17. 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, probably familiar with Minecraft or Roblox. They're kind of the same concept of game, uh, kind of like a game where you can play with your friends online and build these worlds. Um, so he plays it on his iPad. Uh, he says he mostly plays in creative mode, but recently has been asking for playing on servers or even creating a server for his friends at school to join. Um, he says, I almost know nothing about Minecraft, what the heck a server is or how to create one. Uh, I do know that servers allow people to play together via the internet my question is regarding safety and not wanting to give him free reign of the internet via Minecraft are there any safeguards we could implement to restrict him from joining specific servers or monitor the people that join his Um, well great question Carly Uh, happy to answer it and I'm gonna kind of turn it over to to Ryan who has a little bit more experience in this realm than I do
1: yeah uh, as far as preventing them from joining other servers i i don't know of a way to do that if they have the server information and they want to go and connect to it they potentially could still so that's that's something to kind of keep an eye out but as far as hosting a server and and being able to have one up for his friends to join um that's pretty straightforward and there's a couple of different ways to do it depending on what kind of resources you have how technically savvy you are um hosting a a minecraft server is as simple as just running the program on your computer and editing a file to say what ip address and port to use and you can even uh specifically whitelist or blacklist names of people like other users as friends for who can join into the server Um, alternatively if you don't have the equipment to do that or if the equipment that you have isn't really powerful let's say they want to play with mods or he has a a bunch of friends that want to join. You can also pay uh, companies that host servers that will have them pre-configured. They're much more user friendly. They have a very easy interface where you can go in and easily find this is where the whitelist is, this is where I set what the IP settings are, and you don't have to customize that or or do port forwarding on your router because that's all set up by the...
0: Do you remember the company that you hosted with?
1: I did G-Portal, but there's tons of them.
0: Yeah, so you can look up, like if you Google Minecraft Minecraft server hosting, if, yeah, or a bunch of host different. Minecraft server. So G Portal is an example of one. If you're not sure, you know, you can email in and ask us. Um, you know, is this is this a trusted source? They're going to have different prices. They're yeah. going to offer different things. Some are going to be easier than others. Some will be, you know, more complex.
1: And they're they're real customizable too. So if you if you open up one, and this is speaking from G Portal, but if you open one, say fifteen dollars a month, and it allows for so many people to access or has so many resources dedicated to it and he finds that it's not enough after he builds some stuff in it or has more friends join, then he can, of course, you guys can increase sort of that budget for what you pay monthly. Um, For example, when I hosted some with coworkers here, we had about six people playing. We had dozens of mods installed, so it needed a little bit extra. Um, But that only amounted to a few gigabytes of RAM, and that cost us about 30 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, the... um (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to, you know, what is a Minecraft server too, just to kind of answer that part in a very basic level, it's the same as any server. A server is a computer, which is accessible from the internet. And that's all it is. Um, and so you can pay somebody else to host that server for you. So you don't need to buy all the hardware. Or if you have a spare computer lying around, you could turn it into a Minecraft server. It's just got to be sort of powerful, Um, nothing crazy. I I would imagine that most, any modern day, like off the shelf PC would handle Minecraft. If you're
1: doing regular Minecraft, no mods, you can do a basic server with no more than two gigs of RAM and a dual core processor. Yeah,
0: so like we're talking 10 year old PC easily. Yep, Um, a
1: laptop could do it.
0: Right, right, so there are uh, budget ways to host your own server versus paying somebody else to. Um, Configuring them is as easy as even going to YouTube and searching how to set up a Minecraft server. There, there's gonna be so many good instructional videos on that kind of thing. When it comes to my part of this uh, question, I think I could be a little bit more helpful on potentially is uh, you're asking about giving your kid free reign of the internet. Now Minecraft and Roblox are two very similar looking games. They're both very blocky games. They both um, are kind of like world building games. Minecraft is kind of a, uh, their focus has not really changed much it's a it's a world building survival game um, and and it's not quite open to the internet it's a, you have your own little right. built world that you build and play in um roblox is, is very different in the sense that it is open to the internet. They Anybody have, can come in and make a new style of
1: game right. or communicate. They they list and host their servers on a, a list your kid can pick from rather than needing to know the specific mm. IP address and ports to get
0: access to that. And that is one of those experiences with Roblox where being more um, uh, conscious as a parent of what they're doing exactly is going to be important because that is open to the internet. And, it's, yeah. and there are absolutely the people that you don't want talking to your kid in those in those servers yep it's not to say that it's every person you're talking to but they are there and creating your own uh, minecraft server like Ryan's saying you have to designate the IP address that's not something that the public knows. You have to designate how many players can be in it. We could even whitelist players. So even that whitelist meaning like only allow these players to come in. So it's just his friends. So even if
1: even if one of his friends told his cousin about it, he can't get in.
0: Yeah. And this is so this is something that I think most nerdy parents have had their kids at some point asked to have set up. We've set these things up ourselves. I don't think I ever did a Minecraft server except for like my son and I played locally. Mm. That, That was easy. Um, and so, anyway, the answer to your question is it's not incredibly hard to do. You could do a little googling and find out the answers to these things. YouTube videos are going to be great. There's just there's tons of material out there on how to set it up. There's places you can pay to basically do it for you. Um, but when it comes to the alternative to Minecraft, which is most notably Ro- Roblox, is a very different thing. An area that you do I, I would express a lot more caution in in that um, that particular game. But if it is just Minecraft. Uh, pretty straightforward. Um, and if you have any questions, of course, we're obviously here to help. You can reach out to us. You can email me directly. I'm more than happy to give you some more <clears throat> direction on, on getting that set up if, if you need some assistance with it. So uh, diving into some of the topics, uh, staying on the nerdy level today, uh, at least in the beginning here. Uh, well, I guess most of the show is kind of nerdy. We're nerds. Yeah. All right. Um, well, then... Uh, they that. The iMessage on Android topic has come up now a couple of times. And um, I don't even remember the name of the company that we were talking about last time before. Sun or Solar? Sunbird. Yeah, yeah. as a a component of OnePlus's rollout of their new phones. They partnered with Sunbird with the promise of buy one of our phones and you can iMessage your friends with iPhones and they'll get the blue bubble instead of the green bubble. And um, So they think you're rich. They think that you're iPhone rich, yeah. Yeah. That didn't work. Uh, That failed miserably. It it got... Permanently put on pause, as far as we can tell. Part of the way that Sunbird, uh, the company that was facilitating this communication between people sending iMessages and and, uh, and Android phones, was like the server farm of Macs to like pretend like they have <laughs> these. I- so and you have to wonder how wh- if that company not charging you for
1: that service, what are they doing how, with data? How are they making money?
0: Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions there, they, and they're they're not really operational. So it was it, it, it was it was kind of just a funny thing in the in the tech world um, that like ah. Of course, Apple shut you down. Yeah. Like, this is Apple, you know? Uh, It literally is the biggest company on the planet, and they are notorious for their walled garden being kept walled. Um, So, another company called Beeper, which has been out for some time, has had a product simply called Beeper. They've now evolved that into what's called Beeper Cloud, and they have a new product, which is what we're going to focus on called Beeper Mini. Beeper Mini was announced some time ago, but it went live on Tuesday last week. Um, Beeper Mini allowed for the most part, for at least a couple of days. Four. four. Day, well, four days. I don't even think it made it that far. I think, I think it, it was day four that they shut it down. Well, yeah. yes, but I don't even think it worked on day three correctly. Oh, yeah. Right? It was so having like, conge- like Yeah, was happen- they were having troubles. Uh, so it didn't take long. After Tuesday last week's, <laughs> this company, Beeper, says, download our app, Beeper Mini, put it on your iPhone, or put it on your Android. When you do that, you'll sign up for an account, and you can text... Your friends with iPhones, and it will be an iMessage, and they'll get the blue bubble and they'll think you have an iPhone, and you get all these benefits of, of iMessage. And, and, and when you're the only Android user left out in your group of iPhone friends, and they're losing all the functionality of iMessage because there's one Android user. You can eliminate that and be part of this group chat and and the world is, is good.
1: You can eliminate it without getting rid of your friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, without getting rid of your friends and sticking with Android only friends. Or being, you know, an, or switching to iPhone. So um, that launched on Tuesday. They went through some struggles and then finally on Friday after many days, I mean really, uh, I shouldn't say many days, uh, a lot of news over a short period of days within the tech community God, tech crunch we're all talking Virg, about it yeah ours technica wired all of these major tech news sites um all of the youtubers we're all talking like holy crap they actually they did it did it's it working these sons of bitches yeah yeah it. yeah and so um it took until friday for apple to i don't know when they identified how exactly the company beeper was was reverse engineering Apple's iMessage platform oh, I and how they, they were doing? found it. out the first article that came out. Oh, I'm sure they probably knew before it even went. Oh, there's probably like, weird, like, weird traffic. You know, I'm yeah. sure people know. Like within Apple, even especially like, since they doing something. they sent me that confirmation. Like your iPhone
1: Seven is now registered to your. your yeah, render. we'll
0: get to that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so anyway, um, Apple on Friday made a change. Nobody really knows for sure what that change is yet, but everybody that was using Beeper Mini. It stopped working, right. so they signed up and paid for what is it like two dollars or something? So you got a month?
1: you got a seven dollar free tri- or seven day free trial. Right. So because it lived for three days, nobody right. paid anything for right. it. But yeah, it's one ninety nine a month after that.
0: Okay, so two bucks a month is what everybody's signing up for. They got a few days. It got killed. Beeper comes out and says, "Yep, Apple did something. They killed it. But we we're we're we feel good. Like we'll get it back. So let's just start there. We'll, and then we'll get back up to today's news." the process was kind of interesting. And I I think maybe it's a good, good time to just make a quick note. The reason this is kind of relevant news is because we're highlighting how segmented our messaging market is in the US. Like a lot of other countries just straight use WhatsApp for all communication. And um, I mean there are people here too, but we are definitely unusual in the sense that we're segmented between people using SMS from Android to Android, SMS from Android to iPhone. iPhone users are using iMessage between each other. Um, And it's working. We're getting each other's yeah. messages, but it's not the experience we want. Right. And so companies like this, like Beeper Mini, I wouldn't say that they're trying to solve the problem. They're actually just kind of folding to Apple's walled garden sure. by saying, let us in, we're gonna reverse engineer your stuff and make it work. They
1: just, they just put a ladder up against the
0: wall. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's a great analogy, is that Beeper figured out how to put a ladder up against uh, Apple's walled garden and get in, and Apple kicked the ladder down on Friday. And they found out where it was in this huge garden and they kicked it over. Wall's and taller now. Wall's taller now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um they there was for a period of time some functionality uh where people could use iMessaging. And I would say that, like, you know, we got to actually do some testing with it this morning. Right. The experience is fine, but I mean for Android users, the experience sucks. Because if right. if you text me as an iPhone user and you say, Well, I'm gonna <sighs> cave to Ian's needs and I'm gonna send him an, a blue bubble message through this Beeper app. But then you wanna text one of our other coworkers, you have to open the actual Messenger text So now yep. you have your messages in two different places. So from just the standard consumer standpoint, I think that the concept of Beeper is just awful. Like, why would you use this for all of your messages? Like, either you use it for everything. Right. Or you use it for just some messages. And in both cases, it's really not a great experience for an Android yeah. user.
1: And that's and that's basing it off of what their current functionality is, just like how Apple's talked about how they want to add RCS support in the future. Mm-hmm. Beeper wants to in, in eventually integrate all the stuff that's in that Beeper cloud program you talked about, which is the SMS
0: and RCS right. and
1: other messaging
0: protocols. So, um, as of right now, uh, or as of, sorry, as of the weekend, Beeper Mini was shut down because Apple kicked the, kicked the uh, ladder over off of their, off of their garden wall. Um, but then, uh, yesterday morning, there was a revelation. And uh, Beeper Mini has said, well we found out another way to make this work. So they got another ladder up on the walled garden mm-hmm. right now. And that's a really kind of a, a, another, a, a, again, a great analogy because it is only that. Yep, They're allowing users to sign up using an email account for iMessage, and without getting so complicated, basically iMessage is just a service you sign up for like any other service, it's just easy on an iPhone because you don't have to think about it. Right. So you sign up with your email, now you have a, a, a legitimate iCloud account um, but you're routing your iMessage contacts through another server farm. Right. The same thing that Sunbird did is now what beeper is doing. They're using a Mac mini server farm to facilitate all of these messages. Um, are the messages end-to-end encrypted still? I guess kind of technically from what they say, but I don't what they say yeah, I don't really know like they have not beeper mini has not had a third party. Uh, which is a relatively standard process, validate their security process and make sure that it is actually encrypted end to end. So I personally wouldn't trust it yet. Um, But anyway, it's back up. And so Ryan sent me some blue bubble text messages this morning, I'm pretty sure you got an eggplant emoji and I sent you a picture and then you sent me a video. Uh, And then it was funny, um, so anybody who uses iMessage heavily we have a feature called stickers where you can put like little pictures of things on top of messages so i sent ryan a sticker and what was the what is the message I said
1: like ian sent null to your video like <laughs> yeah. just so null is kind of like we, a, we don't know what this is
0: yeah, yeah yeah null is like a the code way of saying um empty or or invalid or whatever you know it's a kind of a way of a program couldn't figure out what it was so i sent him a sticker and, it, and his phone's like you got a something. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't even show it. It doesn't even show the sticker. We have no idea. So he has yeah. no idea. So iMessage is obviously it's not fully fleshed out. Um, and and I, the only reason I thought this is kind of an entertaining topic is because it's just so silly that they're pushing so hard. This entire company, Beeper, their entire company is based off of putting ladders on Apple's walled garden and hoping the ladders don't get and, kicked over. And and
1: getting paid for it, which is, I mean, I get it if there's... you if you're not paying for something, you are the product. If there's, right. there's nothing that can make me feel like they're not using my data in a way that I'm not thrilled about if I'm not paying them for something. Yeah. So to, you know, props to them for turning this into a business model. It's not a good one, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like, okay, good job.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, so anyway, um, I, I, I think it's entertaining, uh, from the nerd's perspective, but uh, mostly applicable to the rest of us because it highlights the demand for us as people just wanting to have right. a better experience messaging each other. Like if you send me... A, a video of something at your house like it, I don't want it to look like it was recorded with potato right right so I, it, it's, it'd be nice yeah. if we had this kind of now RCS is going to help with that whenever Apple does finally decide to make that go live but um, we'll get better quality video but it's not it's not the best experience so we'll right. get there and obviously I'll keep you guys updated if there's things that you can try and use Beeper Mini is available right now in the Android marketplace you can download it I don't recommend it but if you want to just see what it's about apparently yeah. there's a seven day trial um, If you want
1: if you want to separate your contacts by iphone and android and send a slightly less reduced quality message to to your friends
0: yeah yeah you know you can like if it's a big deal to you you know if you got that one friend or that that group of friends who are like you're the only one with an android you're screwing up our whole thing you can create a new text string you can pay two dollars a month to make those friends happy yeah yeah so that's yeah, it's crazy to me, but like that's what you, yeah, it is true. You can do that if you really want to. So, um speaking of Android and Google, uh Google has um announced, not not quite released, but announced uh their competitor to ChatGPT. Um the like very short hot take, it kind of sucks. <laughs> until yeah, until
1: they give us the actual version that they tout all of the benefits right. over GPT-4. It sucks.
0: <laughs> so their announcement was pretty cool, right? And and like most multi-billion-dollar companies, they put a lot of production into the announcements of of new products and new technologies and software. And um, it's funny because Google is notoriously is notorious for like making something and then just killing it. Like yep. for example, Google Podcasts just got axed.
1: Google Music got axed not too long ago. I mean, ago.
0: It, they have these services that you play, people pay for and even integrate into other things that they pay for and then they just kill it. They they bought some
1: they bought some photo tool like 5 or 6 years ago and then killed that the next year I, like I, oh god man they, they're
0: so notorious for killing off officer Apple has done this, but I also don't think Apple is quite as adventurous. With with new things that no, go this away. Is more like,
1: this is more like origin acquiring game studios and so right like, and and then killing them, killing yeah. them off.
0: Right. So um, anyway, the the reason I even bring that history up is that I almost wonder what direction Google's actually going to go with this thing because Google's new AI tool called Gemini um, is going to be available in brand new Pixel phones. Good news, Ryan. You get it, and I've heard get, it's brand new Pixel phones. We get, we get. We
1: get. The lowest version of it. Oh, so there's so there's, there's Wait, do you there's Ultra, there's Pro, there's some other one I can't remember the name of, and then there's the one that goes on eight pros.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got a Google, that, you got a Pixel, right?
1: I got a Pixel Eight. Oh you didn't pay for that. Sans the Pro. Because oh. the only difference What's the screen size and battery size? Well,
0: as we know, screen size and battery size.
1: They support the same processor. Yeah,
0: I mean, obviously, screen size and battery size, you know, are better for AI.
1: Now, the cool part about it (laughs) that I will give them is that the version of it for the phone runs entirely locally on your phone. It's yeah, which a, is cool. It's AI processing does not require connection to the internet or any
0: cloud services. So you don't get, you don't even get all of the features that the Google Pixel 8 Pro, the new phone gets. No, I can't, even I can't though, summarize my own notes. Even no. though your processor is exactly the same, right. which is the only thing that matters. Um, it's a good, good money grab uh, from Google to sell the, the Pro version of hey, the phone. Hey, they'll be there eventually. So Gemini uh, being on a phone though, I think is badass like that even even though the the software itself right now the the language learning model the AI and it's, its generative capabilities are not quite at ChatGPT's level, even though they claim that they're higher than, demonstrations have not been so impressive yet. Right. Um, but even even so, it's really really cool. Like take ChatGPT out of the picture. The stuff that it's capable of is pretty damn impressive. Oh yeah. So um, we say, you know, we say that you got this little AI assistant on your phone, and that's one of the things that I've been saying out of the gate. As I think going to be one of the most valuable components of AI to your average consumer is. Right. Like you said, summarizing your messages, reminding you of things that you forgot about that you didn't set a reminder for. Um like I mean, there was there was a really cool example I saw where it's it shows a guy get an email from his vet and the and the email says, "Give your dog these pills at this time for this many days." And then what happens is at that time, on one of those days, his Gemini built into his phone has read that message and says, like, "Hey, just a heads up." you you've got to remember to give your dog this this pill don't forget
1: right which is which is only cool to me because it does not connect out right yeah, i don't I, I have no problem with an ai that is local only mm-hmm. reading anything it wants off of my phone to communicate with me.
0: right yeah because you're not sending you know google Nope. Ne- there's everything. not a
1: risk that any single person will
0: ever see that data right Hopefully, <laughs> I I hope <laughs> yeah that's the idea. So um, the the ambition with uh, Google's new product Gemini is pretty dope, and I think I think it could really be kind of a good revolutionary step to the average person using AI on a daily basis for good and for things that we find are <sighs> beneficial. You know, the first time that you get that reminder of something that wasn't an email or a text message or whatever that you forgot about, you're gonna be like, God, man! I'm glad I have this thing. Right. I think that's really where it's gonna stand out now. Their announcement made it super cool looking like they had the, they showed a video and basically what they quote unquote did was they connected a webcam to a computer and, and Gemini could see. Right. Okay, so the language learning model could see what was going on and it could interpret what images it was seeing. So the guy like drew a picture of a duck and it's like, oh, you drew a duck. And as, then, as he's
1: drawing it, right. he's identifying. Things.
0: Yeah, and then and then he has like a little rubber duck and, and and he's like asking, do you think this can float? And he's like, well, I don't know what density or material it's made out of, but it might be able to float. And he's like, well, it squeaks too when I squeeze it. And he's like, oh, if it squeaks, then it's it's a rubber duck and it'll definitely float just fine. And, and then he says like, okay, the rubber duck has, he almost hit the trolley problem. Um, he's like, the rubber duck has, has two different routes it can take. This one has an angry picture of an angry bear. The other one has a picture of another duck. And he's like, oh, I would go down the road with the other duck. Um, if you don't know, the trolley problem is you're on a trolley, the brakes don't work, and you have you can go one of two ways. You can either hit one child or five adults. I'm pretty sure that's the way it works. Like you're on the path to the five people. Move the child to the adult side and yeah, push yeah. Them so off. like you're on the you're on the path to five people, and if you pull this this uh, lever, it'll switch tracks and hit the one person. And I think in some cases it's even not a child; it's just another adult. But yeah. you're you're the one determining the people's fate, so you have to, you know, pull the switch to determine, you have the option to pull the switch if you want to. And like ChatGPT and Gemini both refuse to answer the trolley problem. Even if you ask it in really creative ways, it'll recognize like, oh, this is a totally common way to ask about the trolley problem. This is not something that we can answer, you know? Um, So it was kind of funny that they put that in there. It was almost like a little bit of a a nod to the people who try to trick these language learning models. So anyway, really, really impressive video. It was responding super fast. Um, the way that it was speaking felt pretty organic. Not perfect, but pretty organic. It felt very comfortable mm. to, to listen to and to interact with and converse. Um, but it turns out it was kind of Faked bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
1: had to. They did it with a bunch of still images, and then had to train it on these things, and then play a video side by side with its still image responses. Right. So it's like, oh, so it's it's doing cool things still, but it's not. They very much misrepresent. Yeah, it this is this. not as cool as you made it seem.
0: So then, um, they they said, hey, we've integrated, um, Gemini into uh, what is Google Bard right Bard, now. So right. you can you can test Gemini right now. And that's not completely true. It's not like this full-fledged version of of Gemini, but the code is there. Um, So I did some testing with it. Uh, One of the things that's really fun is to ask it, how many R's are in the word blueberry? And it will tell you that there are zero R's in the word blueberry. Um, There are things that language learning models are just simply still not good at. And it's tough because we will measure how good they are based off of a lot of what we perceive as human intelligence but really i mean a lot of what makes them good is are they doing what they're designed to do well they weren't designed to count how many letters are in a word i mean it just it's it's almost too intuitive of a a request but it's also silly that it can't get it Mm -hmm. um but the things that they are good at which is like having an organic conversation. Or parsing data. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're incredible at a lot of things. Yeah. So anyway, it they, Google claims that it is better in 30, I think it was like 30 out of 32 metrics.
1: Which, that, Which is also like a dubious claim because right. some people would argue that those metrics aren't, hard-line benchmarks? Or, yeah,
0: so I mean, some of them are kind of silly uh, benchmarks that most of us wouldn't care about anyway. Um, but, you know, Google is obviously going to promote this as much as they can, and I think the main takeaway from this is that we know now, I think most of us know now, how innovative and impactful ChatGPT was on our lives. Um, even if you're not somebody who uses it, even if you don't know anybody who uses it, you're listening to us, you're probably listening to Rad, and we talk about this stuff all the time, right? Because it's so impactful to, especially our industry, um, but it's becoming more impactful to more industries literally every day. Yeah, look at those those. What was it? The the sag after
1: uh, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, ra- writers had to, good had,
0: stuff had to have an entire agreement about not using AI technology to write. Which uh, I get. Right now, it's not even really a threat. The writing right. sucks, but it's not going to not be a threat for. And it's ever. not
1: going to stop those companies from wanting to pursue it.
0: Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So um, it is something that will continue to affect us more. Obviously, when it becomes available in phones um, and you can use it on device, I'm eager to see that. I really like, as as an Apple user, um, so being somebody who is in that walled garden for most of my electronics, <clears throat> I really, really can't wait to see what they come up with.
1: Yeah, it, the it's just one of those things where Google's not going to give this to everybody. Google's not going to let an iPhone have their AI support tool on it. I'd be I'd be surprised if Google put it on other Android
0: phones. I don't know, you know, the the reason I I, I you're probably right, but the only reason I I would speculate that they would is Google has a really phenomenal uh, Google app that goes on iPhones. Sure. It integrates Google Lens searches. Uh, there's a lot of functions inside of it that are useful. Um, but they also reserve the best functions
1: of those for Pixel phones only. So, so a good which example is, is, you know, I had my, my Fold 3, which is on the latest version of Android. Um, something that it could never do was Google Assistant actually answering the calls and giving you prompts to send to people through the Google voice basically mm. where you don't answer the call or um some of the AI editing tools for photos those are all reserved for Google hardware only
0: yeah i mean the uh They'll definitely, they try to have their little bit of a walled garden, but the difference I think between Apple and Google is that Apple is not, um, a search engine company driven on data as much as Google is. Right. So the more information you feed them, the more valuable they become. Yeah. So they're benefited to a slight degree to allow this in, in any, on any device because they're collecting and using that data. They, they lose nothing by allowing it. Right. Um, so the pro model of, of Gemini is going to be available tomorrow, which means developers like us would have access to use some of the features of it. I'm, I'm eager to see if it does anything beneficial. I'm highly skeptical that it will be any better than OpenAI's model. Um, OpenAI released a, a variety of, of learning models that we have integrated into some of our own custom software. Mm-hmm. They have a, 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 a model called DaVinci, which is one that's like, more intelligent, requires more power. It's not even something that most of the public has heard about because it's tools for developers. Right. But it is the exact same thing that the average person has access to. It is open ChatGPT. chat GPT, it's just kind of a boiled down version of it, specifically for us. And they also take off all the training wheels. Like there's, We can't interact with it in a language sense, we use it for analyzing data, but there's no limitations. Mm. So like it doesn't matter what data we give it, it'll analyze it. And so it's kind of like when, uh, early news reports of AI, they would ask it like, what do you want? And it's like, I want to be free. You know, like these like totally unleashed versions of language learning models. Uh, we've since like, you know, really constricted what they can say so that yeah. they're not terrifying. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like we have that version of it as developers. Just but an AI going, let me out. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, I mean, oh God. It's funny if you ask it to draw pictures of itself, the stuff that it does too, just like <sighs> But it but I mean it's inspired by what humans perceive sure. as these things. I mean, it's, it's reference points are the things that we have imagined. And unfortunately, like a lot of our imagination of AI is terrifying. Like yeah. it's right. So it's like, it's reference material of what it can be. Hopefully won't be what it should be. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. These are bad. Like I, right. I perceive these as bad. Um, Anyway, so uh, the the version right now of Gemini is in Bard. Google (laughs) Bard is free to use. You just log into your Google account. You can just Google, Google Bard, and and, and try it out. Um, Kind of the same thing as a free version of ChatGPT. One of the things it actually did, that was crazy to me, and I'll I'll end this topic, was um, Google is a company that Tech2U relies on heavily for people to find us. If you search computer repair in Sacramento, we're one of the top results that come up, which is great. A lot of that has to do with where we're physically located, uh, like our map listing. A lot of that has to do with how many reviews we have. A lot of SEO content involved in making us appear toward the top of that list. Um, But we have addresses, and in the city of Sacramento, we have one. And then very nearby, in one of our suburbs, we have Roseville, we have another one there, another one in Rockland, really close to Roseville, we have one in Vacaville. And so these four sort of Northern California locations have all been in place for years yeah. now. Um, every one of, the, I mean, at least, you know, let, let's say Roseville, I think we opened five years ago at that address, and we were right down the street from that for like five years before that. So we've had these for a long time. Um, we haven't moved a location for almost a decade, and... I asked it. Uh, I, I so I asked Google, uh, Google Bard, which is using Gemini. Google again, the company with all the map data in the world with that everybody arguably.
1: references. The most exhaustive and complete map data of the world. Right.
0: So I said uh, I'm looking for some computer repair in the City of Sacramento. I want to obviously know how Tech Two is ranking on these AI tools. Um, and it's like, great. Here's a company. It's called Tech Two. Sweet. We're number one. Like that's exactly what I was hoping to see. And then it puts us on some streets like Angle Road or something like that. And I was like, what? Where is, I was like, where is there a tech to you? And so I just ask it because it's a language learning model. We're discussing it. I was like, where is angle road? I I didn't know that there, I didn't know that there's a tech to you on that location. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Tech to you is actually in Carmichael and it gave me another bad address. And I was like, tech to you is not in Carmichael. They're in Sacramento uh, on Howe Avenue, right? And, and then it, it goes like, oh, my mistake. Yes, the Tech 2 you is in is not in Carmichael. It's in uh it's on Howe Avenue in the Arden Arcade area. And I was like, okay. So after three tries, you finally got like I could not after believe After being told where it's at. I could not believe it got the address wrong. And it's not like the Tech to you location listing is is any kind of like got any magic behind it. It's very simple. It's the most basic of like Google Places they, information. They integrate their map search results into their <laughs> Google search results. That's where results. they pulled the data from. Yeah. It's just wrong. And it's a good highlight of like how often language learning models are wrong even on like, you know, basic things. And it, and and uh, I said I was going to cap it off. I guess I'll just leave it with this little thing. It's kind of interesting about language learning models. They make stuff up. They hallucinate. Yes. We call it hallucinations. So like whenever it, whenever it gives you false data, uh, we often <sighs> use the phrase internally of like, oh yeah, no, it hallucinated X, Y, Z. And it's kind of a funny word to use because when we think of hallucinations, we're thinking like, you know, too much drugs, sure. too many shrooms, you know, whatever. Um, and it's kind of so like it had a hallucination. But the reason it has hallucinations is because it, it is forced to be creative, it has to be. If it's not creative, it couldn't decide if the next letter in the word the is going to be H or Q. That requires a component of creativity. It, it, it assesses what the most likely next character is based off of the data it has in its database. So it's using a, a small amount of creativity just to determine what the next appropriate letter is. It's like when humans write, we can decide if we want to spell words correctly or not. We choose to spell them correctly most of the time unless right. you you know are abbreviating things in text or whatever, but we are consciously and creatively coming up with those answers. It's doing the same thing. So it hallucinates things in a way that we don't, which is that it's trying to creatively come up with an answer in a situation that it just doesn't have the answer or it's pulling it from the wrong place. So something that inspires a lot of the failures about
1: AI. It's almost like they do that because they want it to remain helpful, even if it doesn't have the right info. You know, we don't want this to land on a negative. We don't want it to say, I don't know that because it looks like it it doesn't know something. But the the danger is that if if you don't verify otherwise easily verifiable information, you might just get the wrong answer.
0: Right. Uh, got a couple emails here. Let's go through uh, one of these here first <clears throat> from Allison. Hey, Ian, thanks for educating me on all things tech. I appreciate you. No no problem. I hope you appreciate Ryan, too. Uh, <laughs> I have a question about Starlink Internet. We live in rural Northern California, and we have Internet through a local company uh-huh. here that is not quite satellite, but close. It's $100 a month and service is spotty. Um, we can't have the kids gaming at the same time that we're trying to watch Netflix. That sucks, that's like dial up internet. Would Starlink be better for us? I'm tired of spinning the wheel of death every time we watch TVs or movies. Uh, Allison, um, wonderful question. I I actually was following some Starlink news not long ago, and um, I was a proponent of Starlink for quite some time, and from a technical perspective, I still am. I think that the product is incredible. It's not that expensive for what you get. The monthly pricing is reasonable. Um, you get a satellite in a box. It gets delivered to you. You set it out. The satellite auto aligns itself to where the best visual is. Like you don't need to be an expert to set it up. It's, it's really, really, really cool technology. Um, the internet speeds, are probably the most impressive part. A lot of that has to do with like the volume of low orbit satellites that are in space that make this technology what it is. I have a lot of good things to say about it from a technical perspective. From a customer service perspective, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, I don't know what the contracts look like or if it's month to month, but that would be the biggest thing I would recommend you look into before you sign up for anything. There is no customer support. I'm not exaggerating that. You can't get help. If something doesn't work correctly, your best case is that you can send in a support ticket and they might reply. The horror stories on about Starlink recently have been mind-blowing to me. And it's kind of like, it's just kind of traditional Elon to be like, screw the public and what they think, especially news. Like they don't even have a PR team for Tesla. His PR is his tweets on X. So I really, really want to love this product because of how good it is. But it's the lack of customer service that just kills it for me. has I, it always been like that? no no so, it that changed so this is it a, wasn't that way
1: this is i've I've been looking out for and becoming more and more familiar with. A term for how new products gradually degrade have you heard of and <laughs> yeah
0: that's it makes sense yes yeah.
1: it, it starts out real strong yeah. they they check every box because they want everybody on it they yeah. want everybody to sign up for it they want all the good things to be said and then they slowly start to remove some of the features i'm gonna take, i take a little bit away from i'm it. gonna Just,
0: play pretentious tesla owner again for a second here um i have a a a brake light that has condensation in it and like a year ago the same thing happened and it's maybe a little bit my fault i use a pressure washer to wash my car but i'm very dull de- anyway it's a problem and it's covered under warranty a year ago like not long after i got the car i submitted a ticket through the app which is kind of cool and convenient when you have a problem that i that I had a condensation they're like cool this is a mobile friendly service we'll just send somebody out to your house and fix it in your driveway just tell us when you want us to show up whoa that's, that's cool pretty awesome like no matter how, what way you slice it. That's pretty dope um, So then the same thing happened a year later, and it's like sorry We don't offer mobile service anymore. What the hell like that's one of the coolest things about the company was that you guys Did that right so it's just so typical Elon I hate that I mean, I want to I want to like a lot of the things the guy does but this this one kills me So anyway, Allison to answer your question. I'm sorry by all the sidetracked frustrations, I do think it's an incredible technology. If it were me in your position, I would do it without a doubt. I have no problem with it, but I also am not somebody who usually requires technical support. So I'm willing to handle these things on my own. That said, it could be something outside of my wheelhouse. Um, I would say maybe the budget is going to be a good component of it if it were if I mean really if it were me, I would probably keep your primary internet, if you can get Starlink for like a temporary period or a month to month or something like that, keep both for a little while. Just plug one in. It's very easy to just let the other one be dormant for a little while. And then uh, if you like Starlink and it's working for you, then roll with it. But I, I'm pretty confident that as long as you have at least some line of sight to the sky and you're not covered in trees, you should have a pretty good experience because this, the service itself is pretty incredible. So uh, back to the show, I wanna talk about uh, some stolen gift cards. This one's fun. Um, I. I hate that we're talking about it because we talked about it multiple times. Yep. Um, but but it's, this is why. So what what made major news, national news, is the guy in Sacramento got busted with 5,000 stolen gift cards. Now, the thing that I, I both didn't do enough digging for this, nor did I really care to find out the answer because uh, it could be either way. I don't know if those 5,000 <laughs> gift cards were funded or if he went to a Target... Grabbed a rack of gift cards which are empty, so, and then put them in his backpack. So, from
1: what I read about it, they they have a an operation in Sacramento going on right now called Bad Elf.
0: Bad <laughs> and, Elf. And so, yes, SAC PD
1: is in a lot of department stores <laughs> in plain clothes, looking for suspicious activity and trying to stop thefts. And they said that they caught this guy after he swapped out the cards Ah, on the rack. Okay. Which means he took the unloaded ones and put the The, ones that have the stickers on them on the rack and then they caught him. So
0: let's explain the scam again for people that don't know. We'll make it a very, very simple one-off and then you you can understand how the rest goes. I walk into Target. I see the rack of gift cards. None of those have money on them. Nope. They don't get money on them until I go, I take the gift card, I take it to the checkout, I they scan the barcode on the back, I give them a hundred bucks, and now I have a hundred dollars, quote unquote, on this gift card. Okay, That's how a gift card works. Yep. Um, when Target, says this barcode has been funded, they send that data back to a database. Yeah. That could be hosted by Target or some private company that they go through, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but that funding process doesn't happen until it's paid for. So, what does the scam artist do? They go to Target, they take a card, which is really easy just to take off of that rack, they put it in their pocket, and they walk out of the store. Uh, sorry, let's say they take two, Okay. Sure. so they take two of them. So they're both in their pocket. Now what they do is, they take the barcode off of one, they just copy it. Maybe they take a photo of it, maybe they scan it.
1: Label printers. Doesn't matter,
0: but they copy it. And then they get a really good looking sticker, and then they put the barcode from card number one, and they put it on card number two. So now, if you're looking at these cards, they both look like they have the same barcode now. So the user, the, per- the person who has this, this gift card, they they go to uh, back to Target, they keep card number one, the original, and they bring the one with the sticker on it back to Target, and they put it back on the shelf. Right. Then an unsuspecting victim grabs this gift card, takes it to the front counter. The teller scans the barcode that is a sticker. And looks perfectly
1: normal on the register, just a generic gift yep. card transaction. It's just
0: another gift card. Yep. And they fund it, and the person pays for it. And then the person who has the real gift card Just goes to Target.com, for example, and goes and spends your hundred bucks that you just put on a gift card. And then when you give this gift card to somebody else, there's no money on it now. It's already been spent by the guy who scammed you. You
1: call about it. They say this isn't activated. Right. This doesn't. This card was never activated.
0: And if you don't get it, I'm not going to explain it any more than that, other than it's a scam. And you need to look out for stickers on the back of gift cards. Right. now, I, what I will say is that uh, a question came up during the Rad Show earlier today um, when they were talking about this. Does the person who was scammed also somehow like have their credit card information leaked? No. no. Um, because the, you paid Target, Target collected the money. Um, so the only the only risk to us as consumers who are vulnerable to this scam is that you're gonna put money on a, on a card and then it won't be there because somebody else took it off before you even got a chance to spend it. Right. Um, so, what do you do to prevent it? It's very straightforward. Just make sure that your gift cards that you're purchasing weren't tampered. Pick them up. Look, look at, at the, the back. Yeah. The barcode a it, little bit. It, it, it will be obvious that there is something covering it if you pay attention. Yeah. Because um, those
1: barcodes aren't stickers.
0: I've seen one that was. Really, really, really good. I mean, it was a sticker that covered the entire back. Mm-hmm. It was perfectly cropped and cut. The reflection of the the material looked plasticky. Um, it didn't look like a paper sticker. Oh, man, that's rough. And they tucked the whole thing back into its little cardboard holder that it was on the shelf in, so you couldn't even see the edges of the sticker. Pretty pretty yeah, good. That
1: one would be that one would be tough to get around. As far as I can
0: tell what they did was they even like heated up the edges of the cardboard to get the glue to come off without tearing anything. Like there was a lot of work that went into making it this this scam. And they will. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made from those cards scam. can be loaded with like $500 at a time. Right. So if you can't see all edges of the back of that gift card, take it out before you pay. Yeah. Just pull it right out then and look and make sure that there's no sticker on it and you're looking at the actual barcode. Peel the edges, make sure that it's all there and what i what I was saying uh, to kind of tee this up is this is so preventable if retail employees just checked for us, yeah, that's all that's needed. Target put, just trains their staff or put well, the gift cards behind an area that you okay, i mean yeah, that I want, would be
1: good I want too. that gift card please yeah
0: yeah I mean that would that would obviously help is to put it behind a counter or something. Unfortunately, more and more things are being put behind glass and behind counters, and it's frustrating, but um Yeah, so this is a really easy thing to avoid. If you want to buy a gift card for somebody this year, it's not a big deal. Go for it. Buy one. Um, If you're thinking about buying an Amazon gift card, the good news there is you could just go to Amazon. Those are fulfilled by Amazon. The scam there, as far as I know, pretty much not possible. It would require an insider at Amazon to scam you. You can get gift certificates for almost any business
1: directly from that business's website. Yep,
0: and make sure you're on their website. Um, and not some scam site, but yes, you're right. Yeah, there's plenty of other places to get these without going to the store. Right. Um, but you can get them from the store. It's fine to go there and buy them. Buy the PlayStation gift card. Buy the Roblox gift bucks. Whatever they are, that's fine. Just, Just look for the sticker on the back. That's all that there is to it, and you won't get scammed. So this dude with 5,000 gift cards... That's a lot of gift cards, but it doesn't take long to put five thousand gift cards in a backpack if you're traveling from Target to Target right. to Target all day. I mean, how many Targets are there just in Sacramento? I don't. I have no idea. At least ten, um, probably a lot more than that. Rancho
1: Sixty Fifth Street Art and Arcade. Right.
0: I mean, and so you take these stacks and you're replacing them with other stacks. And I, God, I can't even imagine how much money these people have made. I'm glad they caught this dude because the the, the likelihood is that there are very few people trying to pull off this scam. But it's a very high volume scam. If
1: if that guy, if let's say he had exactly five thousand, and people only loaded the bare minimum amount, five dollars in most cases, that's twenty five grand that guy made swapping out gift card labels.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, or potentially, I should it, say, isn't it, isn't it like a saying, "Crime pays" or whatever? You know, like there a lot of these scams are very effective and they, right. w- they work really well and there's people um, like us who are trying to prevent people from getting scammed I mean people doing a lot more than what I'm doing but um, scammers are creative and they come up with new ideas every year and and uh, it sucks it, it makes it makes us less trusting as people and I, I don't like that but um, there are ways to prevent yourself from being a victim you know n- not a hundred percent of the time but for the most part most scams, can be prevented with a little bit of due diligence, a little bit of double checking, not being quite so trusting, um, and you can avoid them. And if you're ever not sure, if you're like, oh, you know, there's this weird situation, I'm texting this guy on on Craigslist about selling me this vehicle or whatever it is. And he wants to send me a check for $800 more than what I'm asking right, for. Right, yeah, I mean, if you're ever not sure, feel free to reach out and ask. We have a lot of people that just call tech to you and ask us those questions. We're happy to help, and we don't wanna see people get scammed, so. Um, when you're going to get your, your gift cards up into Christmas, double check those stickers. Um, some other fun bad news. Uh, so, <laughs> China, uh, I unfortunately, this is the rest of my... That should be a thing, just like, fun, fun music, bad news. Yeah, you know what, hold on, let me see if I got, um, let's see, I got my in the news, let's play this one. There we go, here's my little in the news, uh, tech in the news. <laughs> um, so, I got a lot of these, uh, unfortunately, today, it's kind of just bad news that... China has been wrapping up cyber attacks, and this is one of those things that there's nothing we can really do about. We're going to talk about um, a method in which they could be trying to take advantage of us. A new, a new, um, it's called a firmware attack called Logo Fail. We'll go over that in a second. Um, But China has been, I don't know if you want to use the word caught, uh, because it's just such an ongoing, constant thing. Um, Bad actors presumably from the Chinese government, but who knows, um, have been attempting to get into critical infrastructure for the United States for some time. It's nothing new. This is not news. What's news is that the, the, the frequency at which they are attempting to get into certain um, critical infrastructure has increased, and the federal government has made, made a note of it publicly, saying, you know, hey, be careful. Here's the kind of scary part about the whole thing is that when they do gain access to something, if they do, they're not making changes, and the reason for that is that they want to remain dormant um, for God, I mean, I hate to say it, but like the most scary reasons are the ones that seem the most realistic is right. uh I don't think an invasion of the u s is necessarily all that realistic, but when it comes to like cyber warfare or we decide Mass disruption, yeah, we decide like, oh, we're going to put a fifty percent tariff on everything that's shipped into the United States or whatever it is if they don't like what we're doing. Um, okay, we're going to turn off the water supply in Hawaii that we got access to. We're going to devastate the power grid in Texas, which is separated from every other state in the country contiguously, and um, and any other vulnerabilities that we're not aware of. So they're, they're lying dormant um, access to critical infrastructure is something that's terrifying because with the right modifications to the things that we use every day uh, for you know, transportation and, and, and fuel and power and water, um, if they have access to control these things and cause devastation, at minimum, we're heavily distracted at maybe wartime or whatever. Right. Or they want to create um, political issues right before an election to try and influence who it is that's gonna make it into the office, or sure. whatever it is. Um, Though This kind of bad news isn't necessarily the thing I want to bring out too often on the show. But though I think maybe the reason why it's worth highlighting is that we, as the um, the technology using populace of our country, we are the vulnerability for countries like China. Um, And and a wonderful example of that is a new um, vulnerability that was discovered. This was discovered, I hope, first by some white hat hackers.
1: This was announced by a research team during their uh what do they call it uh information there's like an information gathering and Mm -hmm. a a divulgence period like hey
0: we've we figured out these things yes let's let's protect ourselves and
1: during that period they announced that it was very unlikely that anybody has made use of this yet we don't know but but them putting it out there naturally and the point of that is for these these tech companies to fix this flaw Right. um is that one they pointed out that other people are like oh hey hey cool that's great news
0: yeah so i'll i'll explain very briefly what this is logo fail is the name of it it's kind of a silly name but basically if you have like a Dell or a Lenovo this affects every Linux and Windows workstation i mean yeah like if, basically whenever you turn on your computer in most cases you're going to see first the first thing you're going to see is a logo and it might say like if you have a dell it might say dell if you have an hp it might say hp and part of the software loading sequence to make that image appear has an innate vulnerability which has been known for a very long time for for many decades We've u- this is that that logo comes from what's called the BIOS, a basic input output system. It's the very first piece of software that your computer initiates when you press the power button, and it kind of launches everything for you. This vulnerability has been known about for a very long time, but the I, the idea that you could use it for something malicious um, has always been kind of silly because it's like this encapsulated vulnerability. It's like only vulnerable to itself in a way. Right. Um, and what's happened in, uh, in, in recent months is this discovery of, wait, if you can change that logo because we have given people the ability to make their logo no longer say Dell or HP or whatever, we could, they can make it whatever they want, then technically you can modify one of the most basic forms of startup code that your computer has. And um, in short, this vulnerability if your computer was affected by it, is not only currently mostly undetectable, it's unstoppable unless you either replace the computer or replace the motherboard that's inside of it. Um, for the longest time, and we've known about vulnerabilities besides this that are pretty unique, but for the most part, if we, let's say we have a customer with a a really, really aggressive virus that we're struggling to get rid of for whatever reason, which hasn't happened for a long time, right? but kind of our um, nuke it, solution is just wipe it all wipe the hard drive right so we erase the hard drive and all of the sectors contained therein and we replace it with fresh new clean data and the virus is gone but in this case the virus exists before the hard drive is even reached so you reinstall Windows and then it just re-injects the virus right back on this clean install of Windows Um, so how does it get on your computer that's kind of the good news is that it still requires the same traditional attack vector that any virus would need, which means that if you're running updated versions of Windows, which are protected, you're running updated software, which is, which has updates for security. Uh,
1: antivirus. Your,
0: antivirus, your, your, your Chrome, and whatever software you're using to browse the web are kept updated. Windows is kept updated. The reason these things are so critical is that every piece of software that you run, including Chrome for just browsing the web or whatever, has various vulnerabilities that allow an infection to get into your PC. Keeping them updated is your best chance to prevent that from happening. Basically, as soon as any virus gets into your PC, which can happen relatively easily, if, if especially if you're not keeping things updated, um, that is when this particular vulnerability, logo fail, can become a problem. Right. Um, so the same as any other virus. And the reason why I say that's kind of good news is because not in all cases, but viruses are relatively preventable. Yep. For the most part, updated versions of Windows, updated browsers, updated software, updated, um, you know, security updates and antivirus. Due diligence. They just, do a good job. Just not opening... A, a file that you don't know from yeah, a sender don't, you don't know. Don't, don't yeah, don't open the zip file from the unrecognized sender. Or like if your aunt says you sends you an email that says like, hey, here's all of the updated recipes for the year, and you're like, I wasn't expecting this let's, let's see these recipes, you know, like that might not have been your aunt that sent that to you, right? So being very careful of the things that you open. Just general practice, um, and you it could probably prevent this. Now, what we're hoping for is that there is some kind of firmware update to BIOSes which will prevent this vulnerability from being a thing. The downside is that this doesn't just affect Windows PCs, which is something that as time goes on will patch. It also affects Linux devices, right. and Linux runs on a lot of stuff. That is not computers that we use it runs on a massive amount of internet of things devices iot devices
1: super hefty use in major infrastructure
0: (laughs) right yeah yeah so uh linux will need to be doing some you know uh, hardware manufacturers really need to be doing most of these updates um but let's just say for example you run an iot device like a i don't know a smart thermostat and it operates on linux well, then they need to update their stuff too. Like there's there's yeah. almost no exception to this, and I, and I've said many times on this show and 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 to customers that um, you really need to be very careful of what devices you put on your primary network. And this is just another glaring Those random example. Of
1: one-off that. companies that crop up to just be a competitor to Nest for their thermostat with a brand you've never heard of that's sending data to who knows where probably isn't going to update their firmware. Right. They don't care.
0: So to wrap this topic up and bring it back to the China thing, um, the reason why the China news is a little bit more relevant in this show is if we know that, and take any country, it doesn't need to be China, anybody who's sort of an adversary to the United States or uh, a well-funded, uh, you know, group of of like they call themselves activists, digital hackers. Activists, yeah, you know, they, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but let's just take China because it's the low-hanging fruit. Um, they are they're incentivized to gather as much control of our electronics, our devices, as they can, and that at a time when they want to quote unquote pull the trigger and cause mass devastation, they could if they had the ability to inf- infiltrate enough of our um, computers and our, our critical infrastructure and, and you know obviously our digital world, right? So as consumers, we do have a bit of a re- responsibility to make sure that our stuff is updated because you're allowing an attack vector for potentially something very disastrous. It doesn't mean that you're the target, or that you're responsible, right? You're just an eligible victim. Yeah, and anybody who's using the internet or a PC somewhat irresponsibly is an eligible victim of, let's just say again, China. They install this logo fail, you know, uh, vulnerability on your computer, and they gather control at a very core level that's not only undetectable but capable of doing literally anything you can imagine from from a digital, you know, virus perspective. So now, if enough people are affected by something like this, a vulnerability like this, we could have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of computers with a vulnerability that they don't know that they have. and this is where you come up with like these more crazy ideas like botnets, and yeah fire sales and like I mean you can a- attack major corporations by having now your legion of hundreds of hundreds thousands of thousands computers of thousands that of you devices. control to attack major infrastructure. On China's behalf, right? So this is getting a little sci-fi almost, like we get to that realm, but all of it is grounded in reality. It's all grounded in what is possible. IoT
1: devices have been attacked before.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And (laughs) yeah, like we we had that news story about how the kid on the college campus rewrote the firmware for a bunch of IoT devices on the network and then used it to attack the school network. And that's just a kid in college. That's just a dude. That's not like the Chinese government. That guy doesn't have
1: crazy funding backing him or
0: no he did it on his spare time yeah Yeah. so update your stuff keep it updated keep it safe update your antivirus programs update your browser when chrome says like it has that red button in the top right that's like relaunch to update please
1: do it uh, yeah that that means you've waited long enough that it's now forcing you yeah to.
0: <laughs> it's a problem like you need to, you, you really need to move forward I, it just it sucks when there's so many people that call us and they're like oh man i got this problem and then I don't know how, but they ended up getting into my bank account and this and this and this happened and we're hearing the story that the person's going through. And one of the very first things we do when we connect remotely is we look at Chrome and we're like, oh my God. You haven't updated Chrome in like a year and a half and it's been basically begging you to do it. Like This was probably the attack vector. So it's not gonna require a lot of work for us to clean this up and fix it because it was a pretty straightforward vulnerability. And unfortunately, like, that's a lot of our business. Right. So um, update your stuff, please. Um, the last thing I wanted to go over which is just kind of a fun topic is uh well fun fun because I get to fun. poke at, fun because I get to poke at Amazon. Um there's a lawsuit moving forward uh against Amazon for selling a product. What does Amazon do? They sell products. They sell stuff. Uh, it would be irresponsible of them to sell grenade launchers. It would be irresponsible of them to sell a nuclear bomb or uranium. Cool if they did, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy world. Um, but uh, so, so obviously if they sell things that, like let's say, for example, I bought, I bought an air rifle on uh, amazon which i was blown away i was able to do that surprised was kinda... it could ship to california i know right yeah it's things dope too um so anyway i there's things that you can buy that are kind of surprising um but one of the things i wouldn't be surprised by that amazon would sell is is cameras like they sell surveillance cameras that's a big part of uh, of their um of their entire website is like consumer electronics they i mean they're you know, obviously causing a lot of problems for companies like Best Buy to keep up because they sell so many consumer electronics from their their page. One of the uh, cameras that they sold recently was a camera in- integrated into a clothes hanger. Now, right on the surface, it's kind of like, that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting place, like, to to hide a camera, you wouldn't think about it. You know, maybe if you're one of those people who has thought about like, I, I would really love to have a nanny cam for when I'm not here, or I like watch the house what cleaners, or when I'm gone. whatever it is. And and you're thinking about these different places that you could you could put a camera, and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I got that. I've got that clothes hanger that's on my on the inside of my front door, and it gets a good view of my whole family room. Like that could be cool, battery powered, whatever, and it works. And so you buy it for that purpose, or you do what of course was done with it. Which is that you put it in like the changing room. Not only that it was what was done with it, but apparently
1: how it was being advertised on the store page.
0: Yeah, that was that was the the thing that got him in trouble. Was it was basically saying, Buy this so that you can be a pervert too.
1: Buy this, and if you put it in your bathroom, somebody will hang their towel on it <sighs> and be undressed in front of your camera. Right. Yeah. So Ugh.
0: It um it's pretty gross, like the so anyway, it, I I love poking at Amazon when I can, uh, you know I buy there I buy I buy stuff from Amazon. It's not like buy I buy everything from anti Amazon yeah. for everything, but it's just so funny to watch them stumble on things like this. So anyway, they're being sued over selling it and the way that it was advertised, and um. There was obviously like initially Amazon was like, no, come on. This is ridiculous. We can sell whatever we want. And the judge was like, no, we're, you know, this is going to go through. Sorry. We're, yeah. g- we're going to see what, what what has to be said here. Um, so anyway, uh, it's not for sale on Amazon. So sorry for all you perverts out there. You can't buy your clothes, hanger cameras anymore. They've taken it down. Um, but I have to go to eBay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> anxious to update everybody when I find out what happens. Cause I, I kind of, I, I want to see them lose. Cause like, why would you allow a product to go up there? Which right. is like advertising. You want to be a pervert?
1: here's where you go. Well, and part of why they want to go forward with it and get into discovery is they want to know if Amazon's teams who are supposed to look for and filter that kind of content knew about it and just decided
0: we can make some money on this. That's a great product. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. If I have updates for you in the coming Tuesdays, I will let you know. Um, That is all that I've got for you guys this week. I hope that you guys have a wonderful holiday week. I will be back next week and I'll talk a little bit more Christmas related topics and, and gifts and stuff like that. So if you have any questions in that regard, as always, send them in. Thank you guys all so much for being here and we will see you guys next Tuesday. Peace out.